Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right, if you could grab your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. See that we're the last ones standing from sickness at the moment. Congratulations. Here's my question. What do you want? And when I ask that question, I mean, what do you really, really want? Because if you really want something, you'll go to great lengths to have it. So again, the question is, what do you want? When I think about that, I was talking with a friend of mine about things that we really wanted in the past. And there were some things we kind of wanted, but if you kind of want it, you don't really want it, because you won't do anything about it. But I remember when I was in high school, I was very passionate about winning this surf series. And most of the contests were down in our area, except they threw one way up in Morro Bay. So all of them were within an hour and a half, except for this one. I don't know how long it's supposed to take, but it took me about seven hours to get there. And the way the heats work, my heats would usually start at 7 a.m. So I had to be there at minimum by 6.30 to check in, get everything changed. So I had to leave my house. I'm sure you can do the math here. I had to leave my house around 1 in the morning, midnight. I can't remember exactly what time I left. But not only did I have to leave at some ridiculous hour, which no high schooler ever wants to do, but I also had to pay for the gas, because my dad wouldn't pay for the gas, and my car I knew wouldn't make it. So I took his car, and his car was a Pontiac Le Mans. He has, he, he's in an old car. So he has the car he always drives, the one that always works, and then he has his like, cool car. The convertible Pontiac Le Mans. Don't know if you know what it is. It's huge. It's wide. But as a high schooler, the most important factor was it got seven miles to the gallon. <clears throat> so I had to use all, I went to all this great effort to just show up. And then I show up and the waves are big. Now when I mean big, I mean it's a bay, right? Morro Bay. The entire bay is closing out. And there's a pier there. And so the waves are just it's just one long wave that just drops at the same time. And we have the first heat of the day. You'd think they'd cancel it, but that's not how it works. So they run it. None of us can make it out because it's, just, it's, it's victory at sea. So none of us make it out, but somehow they determine who advances and who doesn't. Now, at this point, I'm first in the rankings, and I lose out on this heat. I don't know how I know how I lost because I couldn't get out, but neither could anybody else. So I don't know how they advanced, but the point was... I drove all that way up there, went out for 15 minutes, lost, and then had to drive all the way back home. But that's the kind of commitment you do when you really want something. When you're very serious about what you want, that's what you do. So my question again to you is, what do you really want? What are you all in on? When I was sick, 
um, they, after the transplant, they told me all these things I needed to do if I wanted to live. And they said that most people don't follow all these instructions. Did you hear what I just said? They give you the instructions on how you can be healthy, and yet they're very stern with me because they say most people don't listen, which made no sense to me because I'm all in. I'm all in on living. That's what I want. Not because I necessarily want to win, but I'm looking at my wife and my kids, and, and of course, I've shared with you before what I felt God called me to, so it's my responsibility. I'm all in. And yet there are so many people, the majority of people who are facing terminal illnesses, if they're given, they're not called, I guess they call them suggestions, but if they're given guidance on how to get healthy, most of them, if you go across the board with cancer, heart, all the other sicknesses, diabetes, you go through all of these sicknesses, 75% of those will not follow those guidelines to change their lifestyle. They've even, they're at the edge, they're facing death, you think that's a wake-up call, yet we as humans have a hard time being all in and getting healthy. I was reading this uh, one particular study about uh, people that had heart attacks. If you stop smoking, it increases your chance of not having another heart attack. Tremendous. Yet only 40% of those people actually stop smoking, which is understandable because if you've ever smoked, you realize how difficult it is to quit. Okay, so here's another one. They uh, did a study with 1,200 people that were obese, and they had had a heart attack. And so they were told, you need to lose weight. They took all of them and averaged together what the average person lost percentage-wise in weight. 0.2%. So that means if someone, let's say a man weighed 220 pounds, that person lost less than a pound. What are we all in on? What do you really want? Because we say we want things, but we really don't follow through with it when it comes down to it. These are difficult things to do, true. But are you all in? Is that really more important? Is food or smoking or whatever it is, is it really more important? But obviously that's not what we're here to talk about this morning. We are going to focus on the golden rule. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, as we talked about, we're going to now start going backwards and meet in the middle. So here we are, and we are at the golden rule, but it's important that we see what comes before it. So if you could, grab your Bible, and I want you to see how God is all in with us. This is the passage right before Matthew 7.12. Matthew 7.12 is the golden rule. It says here in verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, this is Jesus. I'm assuming you know that, but just to make sure we're on the same page. This is Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he's getting towards the end, and he's talking about himself and the Father. Which of you... If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, 
though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is trying to say clearly, and we can take this for granted, but that God is good to us, that he loves us, and he's telling us, he's commanding us to ask, seek, and not. I, this week, um, had one of the best things happen to me as a pastor. I met a Greek guy. That is so helpful when you're a pastor who teaches from the New Testament, which is written in Greek. And uh, my friend who, who sent me his information on the contact information calls him Peter the Greek. And so I talked with him on the phone, and we were talking about language and and this is what he said, because this is the language he grew up speaking. Like, you can have a Greek professor at a seminary, but it's different when you have a Greek professor at a seminary who's actually Greek, because they grew up using these words in ways that we wouldn't. And so you can study the background and the tenses, but they know these words. And so when he saw this passage, where Jesus is telling us to ask, and it will be given to you, for us to seek, and we will find to knock, and the door will be open to you. There's three verbs there. Ask, seek, and knock. Three things we're supposed to do. And the tenses of those, in Greek, it's much different than English. It means they're continuous. It's not a one-time thing, but to continually ask, to continually seek, to continually knock, to be persistent, to perpetually Perpetually it means you're always doing, you're always asking, seeking. God is asking us to do that to him, to come to him in such a manner because he's all in with us. You would only say that to someone that you're all in with. Relationally, God is all in with us. And notice how God is good with us. When he gives, it's not, it says when a child asks for a fish. It didn't say that the child asked for a brand new 2008, is it 2018 or 19? I don't know how cars work. I assume we're out to 2019, even though it's 2018. Ask for a 2019 Porsche. Okay, he's asking for simple things, but necessary things, good things. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? No, he's gonna give him the fish because he needs the fish. Now, if my oldest, who's gonna be driving sometime soon here, which is quite terrifying, if he were to ask me for a 2019 Porsche, I would not give it to him, even if I had the ability, because it's not good for him. I love him so much. I'm all in with him enough that I'm only going to do what I think is best for him, which drives my kids crazy, especially now they're teenagers, because they think that they know what's right. And I pretend that I know what's right, so it's that battle of us trying to figure out. But ultimately, a father, even an earthly father, wants to do what's good for his children. And God is saying, that's the way I am. If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, we're getting there, because now we're going to move into this ridiculous right turn. And this right turn, which doesn't seem to fit, is this verse right here, the golden rule. So in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And so I talked to Peter the Greek, and I said, so this passage, how would you translate this? 
How would it look different? And he says, it would say, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. He didn't help me at all. So if you're seeing this, you're seeing how it is in Greek. This is how it is translated. There's no special tweaks or unique insights. It's very plain and straightforward, except it says, therefore, in everything. So if it's saying, therefore, you need to look above. Where God in Jesus is saying, ask, seek, and not come to me. Well, how do we go to talking about us coming to you to now do unto others as we would have them do to us? What is, why are we taking such a drastic right turn here? It's important to understand the relationship that God has with us. He's all in with us. Therefore, or as it says here in verse 12, so in everything, we need to do the same for others. We need to be all in with others. Here's something else uh, about the golden rule that's unique. Nowhere does it say it's called the golden rule. Do you know where we came up with that? I didn't. I had no clue. I'm like, why do we call it the golden rule? There was uh, a Roman Caesar, and um, I always wondered where this name came from, and it came from him, Severus. So if you're into Harry Potter stuff, you're like, oh! and if you're not, you're like, what a nerd. But his, he was, his name was Severus, and he loved this rule. He was passionate about it. And so he took this scripture, and he put it all over on the public buildings. He put it everywhere, and it's called the golden rule because in his building, in, he had it up on the wall, and it was in gold. And it said... It was the entire golden rule, but it wasn't called the golden rule. They just started calling that because it was written in gold at uh, Severus's, we assume his house or his palace. So we take this dramatic right turn, but what is the history? What's the history of the golden rule? Jesus must have been the first one to ever say it, right? Well, there's several people that said something similar. Confucius said this, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. He's not the only one. In fact, there's a whole list, but I just chose a few of them. Don't do to others what angers you when you experience it from others. That's from, from Isocrates, who was a, a mentor, the forefather to Plato, Socrates, Aristotle. And then if they had a uh, Mount Rushmore of rabbis, of the Jewish faith, Rabbi Hillel would be on there. And this is what he said. He said, what is hateful to yourself, don't do to another. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Now, what is the difference between these three and the many others that are couched before it, in the middle and after it, what is the difference between these and what Jesus says when he says, what you want done unto you, do unto others? The difference is that all of these are negative. Don't do to others what angers you when you experience it from others. Confucius says, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. And then Rabbi Hillel says, what is hateful to yourself don't do to another. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. And yet Jesus says it in the positive. 
For us to understand what the difference is here and what Jesus is calling us to and why it's so different, let's look at the message translation because there's a word in there. There's a word in there that is so key that I wanted to show us this translation because I think Eugene Peterson gets it so right here. He says, here's a simple rule of thumb, a rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative. That's the key word. Grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and the prophets, and this is what you get. Before it was, make sure that you don't do this. But Jesus is saying, no, you need to go and do. For example, my neighbors are not considered good neighbors because they don't throw bags of poop into my yard. Right? Like, don't do to others what you wouldn't want them to do to you. So I'm not a great neighbor because I don't throw poop over the fence. If they were to take rocks and throw them through my windows, that would be bad, right? You know that's a bad neighbor. You know that's not out of love. That's not, that's not the right thing. Nobody needs to tell you that. It's written inside of you. And so because I go, well, I don't throw rocks through my neighbor's windows, I'm doing what's right. Jesus is saying, that, no, 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 no. Are you serious? That doesn't make you a good neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. No, no, no. You need to do something for them. You need to think, what would you want them to do for you? And then you take the initiative and you do it. You step forward. That's the difference between being all in and not being all in. Do we live that way? Do we live in such a way that we are looking for ways to bless others? Like this Roman emperor Severus, who thought it was so important that he didn't want to forget it that he wrote it everywhere, including writing it in gold. This is what it means to be all in. This is what it means to go beyond. There's a, there's a person that is a legend. You've heard the phrase WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? Jesus is calling us to do something. There is someone, and I'm pretty sure is not a follower of Jesus, yet they seem committed to this. It's almost as if we could say WWKD. The man's name is Keanu Reeves. Oh, you think I'm joking? Now, sure, he was, he's been in some great movies, but that's not what we're talking about here. If you do any research on Keanu Reeves, he's, he is constantly doing unto others what he would want done. He has a reputation. Like, I just keep running into this situation over and over and over again where I run into, okay, so I'm, I'd, I'd heard before a couple stories. I'd heard, so he did the Matrix movies. He was really smart before it became big. He said, okay, I'll be in it, but I get a percentage of the movie profit. Well, it went way bigger than anybody imagined, so he became super rich. Then they had the second movie, so he redid his contract. He made $114 million from those three movies. He gave away $80 million of it. Who did he give it away to? He gave it away to the people that do the special effects and the stuntmen and the grunt workers on those movies. He wrote that in. Nobody asked him to. He didn't even promote it. 
it just kind of seeped out because some of those people were like, can you believe this guy did that? In fact, to the special effects team, gave them all Harleys. Now you're like, oh, like I told my son that earlier. We were sitting right over here, and he goes, hmm, sounds like the guy's rich. Okay, yes, he's rich. But what about this situation? So um, I heard about, I keep running, I ran into two others this week without even trying, without even doing research. This is one of them. So this guy says, I was at the airport with my sister, and we had XX baggage charges, but we didn't have enough money to pay for it. Luckily, though, Keanu Reeves was on the same board as us and ended up paying for everything, and they took a picture with him. Have you ever been in that situation, getting on a plane, stuck in a grocery line, you didn't have enough money, and you're like, <laughs> and you wish someone would step in and fix it for you? Da-da-da-da! Keanu Reeves. His sister had leukemia. Not only did he give an enormous money away to help for her and for leukemia research, but he did the stuff that nobody would notice. He would feed her, he would do her medications. He even had to put on hold some of the movies they were doing so that he could go and be with her and be her primary caretaker. He, um, I got this video that someone showed me, and it, it uh, no, you know when you're, you're somewhere and you see somebody famous, some of you do this, I've seen you do it, where you take your phone and you don't want to be like this, like you're videoing them, so you just kind of slyly go like this. You put it in your lap and you're videoing, but you act like you're not, so they don't know you are, but you're just videoing. I'm like, look, I'm right next to that person. So somebody did that to Keanu Reeves when he was on the subway, because he just takes the subway when he's, uh, when he's home. So this happened. There's Keanu just kicking it. Nobody knows, which is weird to me, except for this one person that has the phone in their lap. And people are coming, I don't know, we're not near a subway, but if you've been to subways and been on them, it's chaotic and people are coming in and out. Now watch him, he's looking around. Notices the lady. And he gives up his seat. When we talk about doing unto others as we would have them do unto us, it doesn't have to be dramatic. It's our lifestyle. Sometimes it's dramatic. Sometimes it's on an enormous scope. But most often, it's just a small act of you putting the interest of others above your own. Paul, in Philippians, said this. Don't do anything for selfish purposes. But with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Put the interest of others above your own. That's what it means to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, except the difference is that we're looking, we're active, we're all in. We're going to do whatever it takes to look around us and to put their needs above our own. That doesn't mean we just do whatever people want to be done for them. That's, that's toxic. Instead, it means we're looking, what would be the good that I could do for them? There's a rhythm to that in life. It's an hour by hour, a daily, a weekly, a monthly, yearly, where we're looking for ways. We don't just hope it comes to us. We go out. Jesus is calling us to change. There's another... Uh, 
time when the golden rule was used, and I want to draw our attention to that. There was a Quaker. Quaker is just a, it's a denomination. They're basically our cousins, Christians. We all have kinds of cousins. Catholics, they're our cousins. Quakers, cousins. Baptists, cousins. They think we're weird. We think they're weird, but we're all related. So, Quaker, Robert Piles, this is in 1698. He said, some time ago I was inclined to buy Negroes to help my family, which includes some small children. But there arose a question in me about the lawfulness of this under the gospel command of Christ Jesus. Do unto all men as you would have all men do unto you. And then he said, we ourselves would not willingly be lifelong slaves. So he made the decision to not have slaves. That's at great cost for him because it would have been a lot easier to go in this direction. But as he looked at that scripture, looked at that command, trusting Jesus, he made a decision that was difficult but was the right one. And we are here in hindsight, but that, we're going, of course, of course you wouldn't have slaves. That was the norm. That's what everybody did. There are things happening around us all the time, every minute, every hour, every week that are wrong. It seems kind of funny to talk about Keanu Reeves, but really, how often do you give up your seat anywhere? What if you're in the movie theater? Star Wars just came out. All the seats are taken. And you see this little kid or this mom or even some big dude with a trucker hat and way too much facial hair. He walks in. Would you give up your seat? Do unto others what you do. It's Star Wars, though. I mean, what about I'll give it up for some other lesser movie, but not for this one? This is a lifestyle that we need to be looking at. When we threw up, can you throw up the, um, up on the screen, can you put up the announcements for the different opportunities that Kim was sharing earlier? If you ever look at the opportunities we put up here, that's really what it means. We need, you can't do all of these. I don't think anyone here has the time because of your other responsibilities to do unto others to be able to do all of these. But let's look at this one right here. So this is uh, my friend Steve. I hate looking at that picture. I hate it because that's not Steve. He got hit by a car and he has brain damage. He has five boys. And every time I see Lori smiling, it amazes me that she can still smile. And so they've asked, and so many people have given so much to them, presents, done their house, um, cared for them in so many ways. And now it's the nitty-gritty. Now life is normal. And they just need someone to come and spend time with him, two to three hours a week, just one day a week. If it's one time, that's fine. If it's for, you know, every, every two months, every month, every week, whatever, they just need some help so that she can go out and take care of the kids and the, go shopping and the other things and just be able to breathe. They have an official sign-up. I know, just because I know there's certain people that are Keanu Reeves, and they won't let anybody know they're doing it, but on the official list, there's very few people. This should be, as Christians, not just this church, but all of our freaky cousins, we should all be known for doing unto others as we would want them to do unto us. And that's what we're known for, actually. 
But that doesn't mean that we stop seeking. That doesn't mean that we're not still all in. We're like, okay, people know, good. That's not why we do it. In fact, when we do unto others, we don't do it for any reward. I've found, this is the, I've had areas in my life where I'm com completely committed to certain individuals. And they're the ones that get angriest at me. It doesn't make any sense, but does that mean I stop doing unto them? No, because it's a command. We do it because it's what, as Jesus said, when he finishes the Sermon on the Mount, he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like someone who built their house on the solid rock, which is another way to say anyone who does unto others as they would want them to do unto them, is going to be blessed. We will be blessed. It doesn't mean that the person that we're blessing is going to bless us back. It doesn't mean this family has anything to offer you. But we, some of us have to step up. Can we go to the next slide? We'll go through these fairly fast. La Red, the church that we are partnered with down in El Salvador, working with these kids, working with the street kids, working with the gangs, if you were one of those kids, if you were in one of those gangs, wouldn't you want someone to come and show you the love, to sacrifice, to let you know that you matter? You think of gang people as the enemies. They're children of God. We have a couple more on here. Um, there's an orphanage that we work with. The group that we work with is called uh, La Roca, um, which I just realized, called The Rock. There you go. See? God is calling you to build your house on La Roca. Um, there's an orphanage trip. You can go for just a day, but it's that concept of us giving our lives away for these children. You know what it is to feel alone. You know what it is to be separated. You know what it is in some degree or another, whether you are an orphan or not, what it is to be alone. We're just going to give something. Is it enough? I don't know if it's ever enough, but it's something. We're not called to go fix everything. We're called to do unto others as we would have them do unto us because we're all in. Family Assistance Ministry is one of my favorite organizations. One, because they've stood the test of time. They're still around. And they work with all kinds of the last and the lost and the least in all of South Orange County. Um, we're going to partner with them and help feed the homeless and the hungry, but it's more than that. It's making a decision. What are the areas where you know you're giving, you're all in for others? And you can't pick and choose who you're all in for. The neighbor that threw the rocks at me? Yeah, it happened. Okay, it was their grandkids. They were over there. They didn't really know what they were doing. They're younger, but still, they threw rocks. That doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to do unto uh, to them as I would want them to do unto me. Don't think it didn't cross my line to pick up that rock and throw it right back. We do unto others because it's what we're supposed to do. It's what we're designed to do. It's what will bless us as well as bless others. These are just some of the areas. When you leave here, when you go wherever you're gonna go, and there's people in the parking spaces. I, have, I was talking to a friend this week and his wife, they live in a different city, but they have this one grocery store. They live in kind of a rural area, and it's the intersection of all these other rural areas, and so nobody ever wants to go there. It's like going to Costco on Christmas Eve, except it's that way every day. And so every time she's getting in line, it's like, you know, she's competitive. She wants to get in, she's trying to get in line and pushing people out of the way. And so this scripture came to her mind a few months ago. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And so she made a decision. She said, every time I go there from now on, I'm going to make sure I let at least one person go in front of me. Like, pull back and say, you, why don't you take my spot? 
or the person, why don't you go in front of me? Because she wants to develop this lifestyle. It seems so petty. It seems, is that really important? She's all in. She wants to follow Christ. She's put her trust in him. So she wants to live this way. And when you make the decision to follow Christ, you don't necessarily even have to know that verse. Something's going to happen inside of you. I want to close with this. Uh, when I was in college was when, I don't know how to describe it, but when my decision to follow Christ, I knew I was all in. I didn't say in my mind, I'm all in now. I, I just, it reached a point where this is my life. Wherever you want to take me, Lord, whatever, if you want me to do business, if you want me to do this surfing career, if you want me to do what I didn't think pastoring would ever be in it, I didn't really give that to him, but I said, I'm all in. Wherever you take me, whatever country, whatever downtown, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And during that time, Martin Luther King Jr. became one of my heroes. Nobody told me. I didn't have a class on it. No one, I just, that was someone that I knew was all in for Christ. And so I started picking up books and reading on his life, and it was someone that went to great effort to be all in for others. In fact, his uh, niece, I was just reading from her book, and she said that um, it was, she says, one thing when somebody tells you what to do, but in Proverbs where it says, teach a child the way in which they should go, and they will do it. She said, that's what my uncle and the rest of my family did for me. They didn't teach me. I just watched their life. And I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew, she said, I didn't think I would make it to 40 years old because no one in my family did. They were all killed for caring for other people. Doesn't make sense, right? Well, I'm doing good things. Why are people mad at me? It's going to happen. And it happened to Martin Luther King. And so can you go to the last slide? I can't seem to get it to work here. But Martin Luther King, when he was in high school, said this. Um, that's okay. I can find it now. Now it's on. It's on here now. So, oh, you beat me to it, didn't you? So he was in high school and he was giving a speech. He was a junior in high school, and this is what he said. He said, "We cannot be truly Christian people so long as we flaunt the central teachings of Jesus." Brotherly love and the golden rule. So I want to close with this. It's not sacrilegious because nowhere in the Bible does it say golden rule. So we're going to change it to the platinum rule. I heard someone else call it this and I thought it was appropriate. Because when you think of doing unto others as you want them to do unto you, the meaning behind that, as Peter the Greek would tell you if he was here, is not that you would do to others what you want for yourself. The platinum rule is do unto others what they would want done unto them. Do you see the difference? We need to ask others. We need to seek others. There's the, there's the idea of asking, using your mouth. There's the idea of seeking, using your eyes. And to not becoming involved in other people's lives to such a degree that we know what would be good for them, and we do it without them having to ask, because that is a primary directive in our life, because we trust our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who 
being in very nature God, with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he took on the nature of a servant, or as it can be translated, a slave. Jesus took on that nature, and he gave his life away for us. Martin Luther King did the same thing, but he was just following Jesus. Martin Luther King was not a perfect man. As much as he's a hero of mine, as much as I value what he's done, he wasn't perfect. And neither are we. But we can live in such a way that our lives will not only be built on the rock, but our work will last for eternity and will continue to echo on. I'm going to invite the worship team up here to lead us. And during these songs, their prayers, we say that every time, but could you stand with me and would you pray during this time and ask, what is it, God, that you would want from me in the next hour, in the next month, in the next week? Are any of these opportunities you want me to do? Is there something somewhere else that you want me to do? So let's, um, let's pray. Father, we come to you trusting what you said at the end of your sermon. That if we would hear these words, listen to these words, and put them into practice, that our lives will be on a firm foundation. Lord, this compassion for others can only come from you. So we need it from you, and we also need it from each other, for us to spur each other on, for us to be able to look at each other and see, see you. We are your hands and your feet and your mouth. So teach us how to ask and seek and knock so that we can love others. And give us ears and eyes to see and to hear the needs that are around us. And give us the courage to act first. Give us the courage to spur one another on. Give us the courage to invite others to join us. And this is such a big task. We have to ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.